Baptism is a very powerful thing because it's one of the few areas of our Bible where we can do exactly what Jesus said to do. A couple of other areas. One is uh, the, the Lord's Supper or communion, which we do usually once a month here at New Heights. But receiving Holy Communion, Jesus said to his disciples, he said, do this in remembrance of me. So when we take Holy Communion, that's one of the things. We might not be doing exactly how Jesus did it, but we're doing exactly what he said to do. Another one is, is the Lord's Prayer. His disciples said, you know, will you teach us how to pray? And he said, sure, I'll teach you. And he, he, he taught them. He said, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And he goes on, and we might not say it exactly the way Jesus said it because he wasn't speaking English when he said it, but when we pray the Lord's Prayer, it's, it's, it's almost exactly what Jesus said to do. Baptism is another one of those areas where we are able to do exactly, everybody say exactly, exactly what Jesus said to do. He said, believe and be baptized. Now, baptism is a powerful thing because when you're baptized, it's public. When you say yes to Jesus, it's a private thing. The Bible says that you believe in your heart and confession is made with your mouth unto salvation, but it's a private thing. I can't tell what's in your heart. You can't tell what's in my heart. But you can't put your heart in the water and bring it out. No, you, the whole thing, the whole you's got to get in the water. It's a public thing. Baptism is very powerful because it, it, it's like a statement to the world and everybody around you that you're serious about what you are pursuing when it comes to the things of God. Romans 6, verse 4 says, Therefore we are buried, everybody say buried. Buried, buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised, everybody say raised. raised. Come on, say it proud, raised. raised. Raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father. Even so, we also should walk Everybody say should. should. We also should walk in newness of life. So when you're baptized, listen to me, you don't act like you used to act. Boy, it gets quiet here at the Rotary Club. The Kiwanis Club. I understand there's some doctrine out there that just says, you know, whatever you do is fine. Let me tell you something. If whatever you do is fine, Jesus wouldn't have had to die for sin. There's a difference from living for God and not living for God. The Bible says, choose this day who you will serve. Jesus said, you know, a tree, not because of its roots, not because you cut it open and you see how many lines is in its uh, uh, trunk. You know a tree because of its fruit. So whenever you are baptized, you are buried in Christ. You are buried into his death. And the scripture says you are raised and should walk in newness of life. Now should walk is a powerful word because uh, none of us are perfect, of course. And, and, and here's the situation. You may miss it, but when you miss it, you're not flung from the, the, the family of God. On the contrary, you are wrapped in the shelter of his wings. But what he does ask you to do is to turn back towards the things of God when you find yourself doing that. But when you are a Christian, you should talk like a Christian. You should walk like a Christian. You should act like a Christian. Come to this church. I, I don't want to fill you up with a whole bunch of you ought to's. We're going to fill you up with a whole bunch of how to's, okay? We're going to teach you how to do it. But when you're a Christian, you should be different. Listen, 
uh, I understand there's some gray areas in our gospel, but, but listen, if you're spending every night of the week drunk, I'm just telling you, you are wasting your life and God wants to use you to do powerful things, but it does not involve you getting drunk every night. Well, I'll just beat on that for a minute. If you're spending your life uh, 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 taking something you shouldn't be taking and, or selling something you shouldn't be selling, I'm just here to tell you, God will bless you, but He doesn't want to bless a bunch of sin. He just doesn't want to do it. It's not in His Bible. It has never happened. It's not going to happen. You can pursue the things of this world or you can pursue the things of God. But when you're a Christian and you get baptized, you are buried into His death, which means you don't have to die anymore, which is a pretty good deal. You don't have to die anymore. But then when you're raised, you should, you should walk in newness of life. You should walk in newness of life. Every major revival in our history where miracles, signs, and wonders break out, it's because a group of people have decided they want God more than they want anything else. They've decided they want the presence of God, the power of God, the hand of God, the face of God, the anointing of God. And, and did you know that, that if... if, if, if if you act a certain way, some people won't come to your house. If there's certain things that you do, and, and listen, I'll, okay, I'll use me for example, because I know me real well. If you are just, if you just run off at the mouth with profanity, and I can find in this, I can show you in scripture where some of the apostles cuss, so I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to throw rocks at you, Okay. It is important to recognize that the Bible says that a horse is controlled with just a little old piece of metal in his mouth. A big old thousand pound animal just take. If you can control a horse's mouth, you can control the whole thing. The Bible says that a big old ship is steered by the rudder, which is its tongue. And the tongue of your life is your rudder. The tongue of your life is what sets the course for your life. So you shouldn't just be running off at the mouth either. But, but, but back to my example. If I come in your house and you say something racist... My kids and me, we're probably just not coming back to your house. Now, that's not because I don't love you and because I don't care about you. It's because there are certain standards that my offspring are going to be around and certain standards that my offspring are not going to be around. So here's the deal. Uh, the angels are in heaven and they are, uh, some of them are here helping us, but there are angels around the throne room of heaven and they are constantly singing, Holy, Holy, Holy. God is holy. Now you don't even have to know the exact definition. When I say holy, you know what I'm talking about. Holy means abstaining from some things. Holy means doing some things that other people won't do. Holy means pressing towards the mark for the prize of the high calling in Christ. Holy means doing your best to walk above and not beneath. Holy means understanding that you are called and raised to walk in newness of life. So here's the situation. If God is holy, He's not going to constantly inject Himself into a bunch of unholiness. Like with my kids, if, if, if I come to your house and you've got filth on the TV, if I come to your house and, you know, you, you know, all of a sudden here comes the Jack Daniels, I'm just not coming. It's not because I don't love you. It's not because I won't pray for you. It's not because we can't go have dinner. It's not because we can't play golf. It's not because we can't hang out occasionally. But my offspring is not going in that environment. 
Because I have decided the environment they're going to be around. God has decided the environment He wants to move in and it's an environment of holiness. It's an environment of pressing towards the mark. It's an environment of abstaining from things. It'll keep you alive too. If you want to get delivered from cigarettes, God will do it just like that. I know other people that they had to fight tooth and nail to get over it. And I'm just telling you, if you've got to fight tooth and nail to get over it or God delivers you immediately, it's still worth it to get that cancer-causing stuff out of your life. Your kids don't do what you say. Your kids do what you do. I got a little seven-year-old boy. I crank my truck. He goes, Dad, put your seatbelts on. Are you the police? Now, I ride with my seatbelt all the time. But, but if, it, if 0.3 seconds goes by that, that I don't have that seatbelt on, Dad, your seatbelt's not on. I'm like, brother, I know. We're in the driveway. We haven't even backed out yet. They don't do what you say. They do what you do. So we ought to set an example of holiness. You say, well, that sounds like too big of a mark to, to hit. It sounds like too big of a, a target. That's correct. That's why Jesus had to do it for you. It's not your job to be exactly like Him. It's your job to press towards the mark. Well, you say, I'll never get there. Well, if you don't start, you'll never get anywhere. Water baptism is a powerful thing. You are buried with Christ and raised to walk in newness of life. Number one, baptism is a transition. It's a public display of an identity change. Baptism is a transition. It's the old man, it's the old woman going into the water and the new man, the new woman coming out of the water. Number two, water is the universal cleansing agent recognized everywhere. You think about water, you don't think about uh, uh, making something dirty, you think about making something clean. You think about water, you don't think about making something worse, you think about making something better. There, there's villages and, and towns and areas that if they could just get a couple of buckets of water a day, you know, people would stop dying. Water has life in it. You can go without food for a while, but you can go without water for just a little while. Water is recognized globally as the number one cleansing agent imaginable. If you don't think water is important, put a bunch of shampoo in your hair and have it stop running. That shampoo means nothing without some water. Water is the universal cleansing agent. Whenever you get into that water, something changes. Whenever you get in that water, something breaks off of your life. When you get in that water, all the stuff that's been holding you back all of a sudden stops holding you back and you leave it in the tub. Number three, baptism uh, is a tipping point. It triggers things. One thing it triggers is uh, uh, when you are baptized, oftentimes the heavens open up over your life. Happened for Jesus. Jesus comes and uh, the Bible says that he finds John, which is his cousin, and all of a sudden uh, uh, John sees him and he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus says to him, he said, I need to be baptized, cuz. He said, you can't baptize, I can't baptize you, you need to baptize me. He said, no, because you need to baptize me. He said, I'm setting an example that everybody else is going to need to follow. Walks him down to the river. I could picture this moment. It's because earlier, uh, John was talking about uh, uh, his followers, and his followers would come to him, and they were saying, are you Elijah? Who are you? And he goes, listen, guys. He said, I'm telling you, there is somebody coming after me. I'm not even worthy to tie his shoe. 
He's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So John takes Jesus' cousin, and their mothers knew each other very well, of course. I could see him standing in that river with, with people all around that John had been baptizing, and I just picture tears running down John's face because he feels so unmerited to be doing what he's doing. In your life, God's calling you to something and you're not merited to do it. I say do it anyway because it wasn't your qualification that equipped you. It was the one who qualified you that equipped you. John's sitting there crying. I could just picture tears falling down his face thinking, I can't believe that my Savior is asking me to baptize him. And he takes his cousin, the Galilean Savior, the one who would bleed and die for him and for everyone else. And he puts him down into the water. And as he goes into the water and he pulls him back up, all of a sudden the Bible says the heavens opened up and the Holy Spirit descended in the form of a dove. If you've ever been in a Holy Spirit movement, we're a Holy Spirit church. I want you to understand when the Holy Spirit shows up, most oftentimes. It's in a sweet, gentle manner like a dove. The Holy Spirit is nothing to be afraid of. There's a Godhead made up of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We're not going to disallow one-third of who God is to be discussed in church because somebody else has poor doctrine. That's a great place to clap right there. I said we're not going to discount or discard one-third of God because somebody else has poor doctrine. The heavens opened up. The Spirit of God descended like a dove. When you're baptized in water, the Holy Spirit starts to move in your life. When you're baptized in water, you start to recognize the Spirit more. You start to sense the Spirit more. When you're baptized in water, you start to hear from heaven. He came out of the water and all of a sudden his father spoke. When you get baptized in water, it is a public display of what has inwardly already taken place. And when you make a public statement like this, Jesus said it this way. He says, if you will be ashamed of my Father in front of men, I will be ashamed of you in front of my Father. But conversely, if you will publicly live for God today, if you will publicly say that I serve Jesus and Him alone will I serve, if you make that kind of statement, then the Bible says that you have a mediator, the man Christ Jesus, who's up in heaven right now seated next to his father constantly making intercession for you and for me water baptism is one of the most powerful parts of Christianity it's one of the most powerful parts of our gospel so many times we get to the place and we're trying to figure out our next step in God we try to figure out our next move we try to figure out what the next thing is let me just say this if you've never been water baptized, now's your time. If you're here today and prepared to be water baptized, we're very excited about it. As soon as I'm done preaching, we're going to get started. But I encourage you, if you have never been water baptized and you're not prepared, we thought about you. We have clothes for you. We have towels for you. There is a powerful thing that can happen when you get water baptized. Number four. Everybody say number four. When you get baptized, you officially put on the team jersey. 
Galatians 3.27 says, For as many have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. One translation says, Anybody who's been baptized has been clothed in Christ. The reason you can walk boldly before the throne room of heaven, the throne of God, and make your requests known unto Him, it's not because you did it right, not because you're going to do it right, not because you should do it right. The reason that you can walk boldly before the throne of heaven is because you have been clothed in Christ. When you see, 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 some of us, we've been saved so long that, that, that we, we, we think things like this. We think, you know, in Jesus' name, I agree. In Jesus' name, I, I believe. In Jesus, and that's all wonderful. But when you said in Jesus' name, you really said a mouthful. See, when we say in Jesus' name, we're, we're saying it's not on my own account that I'm coming to you, God. I'm coming to you on the account of the one that I'm clothed in. I'm coming to you on the account of the one who bled and died for me. I'm coming to you on the account of the one who raised from the dead for me. I'm coming to you on the account of the one who changed life, death, hell, and the grave forever. I'm coming to you on the account of the one who changed my family. I'm coming to you on the account of the one who heals the sick. I'm coming to you on the account of the one who opens blinded eyes. I'm coming to you on the account of the one who's going to come meet me in the sky. I'm coming to you on the account of the one who keeps my loved ones safe while they're gone. I'm coming to you on the account of the one who's preparing a place for me. I'm coming to you on the account of the one who literally is there waiting. When you say in the name of Jesus, all of hell just shakes and trembles. When you say in the name of Jesus, sometimes I don't know what to say. I just say Jesus. I'm sitting there in worship today and it felt like a, a year and a half since I've been at church in New Heights. And I literally, I know I said it earlier, but I want to run, I want to shout, I want to clap, I want to jump, I want to do everything all at the same time. I don't know what to do, so I'm just sitting there going, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And that might sound funny to you, but every time I do, it's like I'm punching the devil right in the mouth. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Talk about some UFC stuff. Jesus. I lay my kids down to bed. I put my head on her in Jesus' name. Jesus. Jesus in the morning. Jesus in the noontime. Jesus when the sun goes down. Jesus. I'm not messing with nothing else. Let me tell you something. The devil hates Jesus so much, he tried to change his first name into a cuss word. You watch any TV show, they stub their toe, they go, oh, Jesus. I wish every now and then they'd go, Muhammad. <laughs> they hit their finger with a hammer, Buddha. <laughs> that one actually fits. He's tried to desensitize the whole world to the power of the name of Jesus. Because if you think Jesus is just another word that you can use wherever you want, you got a problem with who Jesus is. You don't understand who he is. I remember I was in my grandfather's church in his latter years. I was ministering for him some there in, in, in Jasper, Texas, the thriving metropolis that it is. And... I was I was there and and they were they were they were sitting there and and it was you know it was, it was a small church at that time so it was probably 10 15 people and this lady she raised her hand and she said I'd just like to testify brother Bill as my grandpa I'd just like to testify the goodness of God 
She's in heaven now. But she's sitting there, and she said, I was out in my garden the other day, and I, I've been in church long enough to know that sometimes testimony services can go like a long time, okay? I'm not talking about that lightly. I'm saying it can just be like, if you're, if you're young, it's like, cookies. So she's sitting there, she's like, I was in my garden, Brother Bill, and I was there, and I was pulling the weeds, and all of a sudden I look, and there's a copperhead, and he was cold up, ready to strike at me. And she said, I couldn't move quick enough. So I just said, Jesus! She said, and that snake froze. And I backed away. <laughs> she said, I went and got my shovel, and I cut his head off. I said, good. But the way she said, Jesus. It was like hitting the nuclear bomb button in the spirit. When you can't find the words to say, say the name of Jesus. Say the name so precious. Say the name no other name I no, who can calm your fears, dry your tears, wipe away the pain when you can't find the words to say, say the name. When you say Jesus, you did something. But when you're baptized, it's like you're putting on the Jesus jersey. Have you ever been at the schoolyard uh, when you were young? Some of you, it might have been a while. But <laughs> you're about to. <laughs> Noted. <laughs> and you have like a schoolyard pick, you know, you're. You're, you're, you're about to play football or whatever, or, or fill in the blank, whatever sport you want to play. And, and, and you don't know who's going to be on your team yet because the teams haven't been picked. But as soon as you know who's on your team, now you're huddling up, you're talking about, here's how we're going to do it. You know, you run this way, I'll run this way, I'll be the quarterback, you be this. Whatever the situation is, you don't know who's on your team until the team has been picked. And you don't know who has been picked until somebody says you. And when they raise their hand and say, I'm on that team, now all of a sudden you know. When you are buried with him in his death and raised to walk in newness of life, the Bible says that you have put on Christ. You have put on the jersey of Christianity. Well, let me tell you what happens when you put the jersey of Christianity on. Now it's time to go to work. Now it's time for war. Now it's time for battle. You see, because when Jesus was baptized, not only did his daddy talk to him, not only did the Holy Spirit show up, not only did all signs of all kind of miracle signs and wonders begin to break forth, the Bible says that the Spirit of God led him in the wilderness to be tempted. When you get baptized, all of a sudden you put on the jersey, and it's not just us seeing you get baptized, every enemy you've got sees you get baptized too. I'm not trying to tell you to scare you. I'm trying to tell you to be prepared because when you get in that water, you're saying, for real, God, I'm with you. 
get in that water, all kind of things start happening. The Israelites came out of Egypt, the Bible says, and they came out by the blood of the Lamb. The blood of the Lamb was on their doorpost, which is what delivered them from death. And then all of a sudden, all of Egypt said, you guys get out of here. So they were delivered exactly how they were. And then they were following after Moses, who was following after God, and they got to the place called the Red Sea. And when they got to the Red Sea, they thought they were going to die, but God showed up miraculously, moved the Red Sea out of the way. They walked through the water, a foreman type of baptism. The, the Egyptian army tried to follow them through the water as well. And all of a sudden, the water crashed down and killed and destroyed all of their adversaries. What I'm saying is everything that goes into the water doesn't come out of the water. You're going to go into the water with some problems and you're going to come out of the water and you're going to leave some there. But, but, but here's the interesting thing. You say, well, wait a minute. Jesus went as soon as he got baptized to be tempted. Well, let me tell you what happened. When the Israelites came out of the water, now all of a sudden they were staring at a wilderness that had not been settled, did not have resources, didn't even have water to drink over there, and all of a sudden they had to make a decision. Are we going to follow after Moses who's following after God, or are we going to go back to Egypt and we're going to take over? Now, the reason Egypt was tempting is because Egypt didn't even have an army anymore. The Egyptian army had just been killed in the water that delivered them so they were sitting in a place where they could go, you know what? We built some pretty good buildings in Egypt. I think we should just go back there. Some things in your life are going to look really, really tempting. But when you come out of that Water, you've got to decide. I'm going to follow Jesus. If I follow him in the wilderness, I'm going to follow him in the wilderness. If I follow him in the valley, I'm going to follow him in the valley. But no temptation is going to overrun what I'm going to do for God because before I die, I'm going to complete that which God has called me to complete. And until that day comes, I'm going to press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. When you say yes to Jesus, you put the jersey on and now the other team knows who you are. The other team recognizes who you are. They say, well, they've taken that next step. You see, when you serve God, it's all about taking a step of faith. And it doesn't matter what level you get to in God, so to speak, how long you've been serving God, there's always another step. There's always another thing. There's always something more for you to do. There's always another step. They get into the wilderness and the Bible says that they're real thirsty and they're like, oh, we're so, so thirsty. Moses, you brought us out here to kill us. Now, God had just delivered them with the blood of a lamb, which is not a very aggressive thing in the natural. God had just delivered them through the power of moving the Red Sea. And all of a sudden, they're in a place where they decide they're going to doubt God. And Moses has to take a staff, a stick, and he goes and hits a rock. And out of the rock, the Bible says, flows rivers of living water that they're able to drink. What it is, is you and me have to get to the place where anytime we sense temptation, we have to go back to the rock. Jesus doesn't waver, he doesn't falter, he doesn't fail, he doesn't grow weak, he doesn't grow weary, he's not slow, he's not, he's not uh, overtly sensitive in a negative way. He's none of those things. He's the rock that you can go to and when you need him, the Bible says that you and me are to be cleansed with the washing of the water of the word. When you yourself are baptized in water, something very powerful happens to you. 
Last point I'm going to make. Caesar, come help me, please. When you're baptized in water, something extraordinary happens. You find out who you really are. The Bible says Jesus was born in a stable in a place called Bethlehem, born in a barn. The Bible says he fled to Egypt. The spirit of abortion had come on the place. They were trying to kill all the babies. He got to Egypt and was raised for a while, and then he came back. He was teaching at the temple, 12 years old, conversing with scholars. We just see pictures of Jesus in those times. We see when he's a baby. We hear a little bit about when he's a boy. And then all of a sudden, there he is getting baptized in the river. And everywhere Jesus went up till that point, it was to conceal his identity. You got to go to Egypt because you got to be safe. You got to get out of here because you got to be safe. You got you to go. You got to go. It was all about concealing who he was. But when our Galilean Savior hit the water and came out, his daddy speaking in a voice where everybody around could hear, he said, Behold, my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Everybody there found out who Jesus was that day because he was baptized. You want to know who you are in God? Get in the water. It's, it, what we're going to baptize in, is, it's like a water trough, okay? It's not a special gold-plated nothing. But there's something about obeying God that causes the manifested blessing to come on your family, to come on your life, to hit you in a way, in a manner that cannot really be described with common words, you find out who you are. Some of you are called to be ministering to children even right now. We have a place for you. Some of you are called, and you say, well, I don't know what to do. I'm a, I'm a guy's guy. Guess what guys' guys do? They serve the house of God. They serve the people of God. They serve the kingdom of God. We have a place for you. Sometimes you find out who you are in the water. Now, 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 it doesn't always happen with an audible voice that comes from heaven. But, 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 but here's the thing. Sometimes it happens on the inside of you. When you realize, when you come out and you put the jersey of Christ on, you put the, 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 the coat of Christ on, all of a sudden you begin to understand that you have a purpose that's far superior than anything else you've ever imagined. But it takes getting in the water sometimes to recognize that. Everybody was like, who's this guy? Who's this guy? Who's this guy? John said it. They didn't have to believe John. They might have believed John. But as soon as a voice from heaven came, nobody could deny who heard that that right there is the Son of God Himself. You get in the water, you find out your identity. You get in the water, you find out who God has called you to be. You get in the water, you find out what you're made of and what you're made for. 